0: You are listening to sermon audio from College Creek Church in Annapolis, Maryland. For more information on this local body of believers, visit us online at collegecreekchurch.org or in person every Sunday at 11 a.m. Friends, we are um, so thankful and fortunate to um, have our dear sister Jess Matthews um, coming to bring the word for us this morning. Um, So we're very excited. I'm very excited to have you come and and preach for us. So please welcome her. Thanks. Hello. Good morning. I'm myself all situated here. I apologize. My voice is not quite normally where it's at, but even if my voice isn't good, God still is. So, yeah. All right. Good morning, College Creek. I'm really excited to be here with you all and grateful and um, just so grateful. Um, College Creek Church has held such a special place in my life and in my family's life over the past couple of years. It's been such a place of healing and growth. Um, So I'm just super excited to be able to learn from God's Word with you all today. Um, We're going to be looking at Psalm 19, which is in the middle-ish of your Bibles. Um, If you don't have a Bible, please take one from over here on the table. It's our gift to you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. And that's on page 504, I do believe, page 504. Um, Okay, so as you all kind of get settled into that passage, I'm going to walk us through what we're going to be looking at today. And our our big idea that we're going to be looking at is that God is a God who makes Himself known to us. He reveals Himself to us. He discloses Himself to us, and this is good news for us. God makes Himself known, and this is good news. And as we explore this big idea, this big truth, we're going to be looking at three different voices that David um, talks about in our psalm here, Psalm 19 The voice of creation, the things God has made, the voice of scripture, God's word, and the voice of the psalmist in response. So let's read together Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous all More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's pray together before we get started here. Lord, you are our rock and our Redeemer. Speak to us now, Lord. We thank you for these voices of creation of your Word that you speak to us, as we have talked about already this morning. And we pray now that you would incline our hearts to your Word and your Word to our hearts. Lord, give us eyes, ears, minds open. Lord, if there's anything distracting or untrue in what I am saying here, Lord, that you would just put it far away, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored in this time, and that we would encounter you and come to know you more deeply. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. God makes himself known to us, and this is good news for us. The first voice we're going to be looking at is the voice of creation there in the first six verses of our psalm. Uh Creation speaks. You may have noticed that references to speech fill these first few verses, right? The heavens declare the glory, the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals. Their voice goes out through all the earth, their words to the end of the world. Creation speaks. God speaks to us in and through His creation, right? Verse one calls it His handiwork. and that's an important distinction to make because He is the Creator. He is the Lord over all. There is no other creation, or in this case, David is talking specifically about the sky—that's the example he's using here—has something to say to us. What is it saying? What is it talking about? The heavens declare, right there in verse 1, the glory of God. If you're like me, you might have asked that question when you read the verse, What? well, what is the glory of God? What are we talking about when we say the glory of God? How do we define this? There are lots of definitions out there. I'll read you a couple of them. Tim Keller defines it as the infinite weight and supreme importance of God, his inexpressible beauty and perfection. Author Christopher Morgan defines it as the magnificence, the worth, the loveliness, and grandeur of his many perfections. Now, these definitions are a little broad. You may have noticed that. And I think... um Even in that broadness, they point us to something that is very important, and that is that, the reality that we can attempt to put words around this core idea of God's glory, but the glory of God, simply put, is beyond anything we could truly describe with words. Many times when scripture tells us of beholding even just a glimpse of God's glory, it tells us what that glory is like rather than what it actually is. And that's somewhat of what David is experiencing here in Psalm 19, right? He's he's getting a glimpse of God's glory reflected in the sky. God in His kindness God in His kindness knows our words are limited and that our human, in our human words we can never fully express what it is to behold Him and His glory. So in His kindness, He says, let me show you what it's like. Let me show you in the expanse of the stars, in the depths of the ocean, in the beauty of flowers, in His creation all around us. He says, let me show you. He gives us another avenue to experience Him. I don't know exactly what David was looking um, looking at when he put pen to par- parchment, I guess, pen to parchment, um, when he wrote Psalm 19. We know he was looking at the sky. Um, I like to picture it as a sunset. You know that moment when the sun dips just below the trees and the sky is just on fire and every shade of gold and red and pink and purple. And it's it's that moment where you can't look away and you look everywhere and it seems to change from moment to moment and you're just enchanted and entranced. And it's not just what you see in the sky, right? It's what you feel, the warm breeze, the crickets chirping, that moment of peace and calm and awe. And there aren't really words to describe it, right? It's just Glory, glory, glory. God makes himself known through the things he has made, and this is good news for us. Do we notice? Are we listening? This glory is in the grand scenery that we just described, and it's also in the intricate details, the everydayness of creation as well. Uh, I'm going to share just a brief story about how a bumblebee ministered to me, <clears throat> which I know sounds a little dramatic, but I promise you it really did happen. So um, I'm dropping my or driving my kids home from school one day. You know, we pull the minivan up to the driveway. I'm a pack mule up the sidewalk with all their backpacks and my list is just going of the things the to-do list. I gotta make dinner, I gotta clean out their lunch boxes, and make sure everything's packed for the next day. And I'm just going. That's my mindset. And then we walk by our front garden bed. And if you've been to my house, you know that we have not really maintained this front garden bed. It's um, chaos, probably a nice word for it. We haven't done anything really with it since they moved in. I, I take that back. My husband has been recently working on it. But the time, it was just chaos everywhere. Weeds, overgrown, and like every time I walk by it, I'm just, oh my gosh, it's like another thing I have to do. Our neighbors probably think we're crazy because this looks a mess. Like... Who has time to landscape these things? I don't know. So that's, what I, that's my mindset as I'm walking up my sidewalk. Um, now, children are very good teachers in helping us notice and slow down and notice God in these little details, right? Because my children, that is not what they saw at all, they saw a bumblebee a bumblebee. And you would have thought Santa Claus himself had shown up on our porch. They were so excited because they had been learning about bumblebees in school and flowers and pollination and that whole process. So they say, mom, mom, stop, put everything down right where you are. Don't scare the bumblebee away. And sure enough, we had to drop the bags. They were right there on the sidewalk. And I am watching this bumblebee with my kids And it goes from overgrown flower to overgrown flower right in my garden bed. And I tell you, that ministered to me in such a powerful way that slowing down and watching this bumblebee with my kids for five minutes, because he was working with purpose and intention to do what he was created to do in the chaos of my garden bed, that bumblebee was designed to create beauty out of this chaos, right? And, and we went back inside. I don't exactly remember how the evening went, but I'm pretty sure chaos was involved. I'm sure someone didn't like the dinner that I made and fights happened. I probably lost my patience with my kids too. I'm sure I forgot something in their lunch boxes or backpack. Chaos, right? But I was reminded, and I'm continued to be reminded to this day, obviously I'm still talking about this bumblebee. but I'm reminded that in the chaos of life, of parenting, that God has given us good works to do and has purpose and tension is working beauty in the middle of the chaos. when I comfort a child who is scared, When I apologize to my kids and model confession and grace and forgiveness to them in the middle of losing my temper, that's all good and beautiful things and purpose and intention that God is working in the chaos of our lives. And maybe for you, it's different chaos. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's health. It could be all sorts of things. So remember remember the bumblebee when you're in that place of chaos, right? God is working purpose and intention. I know I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but what I really want to highlight is that God has this ministry of creation. God ministers to us through creation. He has given us a world that fills up our senses with glimpses into his beauty, his character, his glory. He's given creation a ministry to us to point us to him and to remind us Of Him. Two things that kind of popped to my mind as I'm studying through this ministry of creation. One is that this ministry um, shows us that God, the God who created the universe, wants us to know Him. Just pause and reflect on this awesome truth for a moment. The God who created the entire universe wants us to know Him. To such an extent that his godness is spilling out all over creation, right Verse two, day to day pours out speech, pours out speech. The second point is this that God faithfully tells him about tells us about himself. He's persistent in his self-disclosure. I love that David uses the example of the sun and the skies here in verses 1 through 6, because it points us to the fact that God's revelation of himself is an unceasing daily mercy, right? Verse 2 again, day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Every time the sun rises and sets its reminders of his mercy so that are new every morning in his faithfulness to us. He is a God who makes Himself known in the things He has made, and this is good news for us. I'm going to shift gears here a little bit and talk us through some some theological terminology to help us kind of understand this um, ministry of creation and then move into this ministry of Scripture, God's Word, right? Um, Part of David's praise for God's Revelation through creation is that it is something all humans can witness and partake in. Verse 4 Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. There is a a theological term we use for this witness of creation, and it is general revelation. Um, In other words, by simply existing in the world that God created, there are things about God that are disclosed to you whether you believe in Him or not. All the examples we just gave of sunsets and bumblebees, they're all in front of us, pointing us to God, telling us about God. This idea is also echoed by Paul in the New Testament. In Romans 1.20, he says, for His, God's invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the beginning, creation of the world, in the things that have been made. This is a great mercy. But with it, there comes accountability as well. Paul goes on to say that they, everyone who witnesses these things that are made, are without excuse. Because God's reality is made known to everyone throughout the created world, everyone is accountable when they turn away from that reality. Thankfully, the story does not end there, because God, in His mercy, tells us how to be in right relationship with Him. This is a type of revelation we call special revelation of general and special, and it is faithfully and divinely recorded for us in Scripture, in the Word of God. So, general revelation, special revelation, say that five times fast. Um, another way to think about these two is that with while general revelation tells us things about God, tells us about His power, about Him as Creator, about His beauty, <clears throat> special revelation brings us to God, to salvation, to right relationship tells us what we need to know to be in relationship with Him. And that brings us to our second voice, the voice of Scripture, the voice of God's Word. Excuse me, starting in verse 7. Starting in verse 7, David uses lots of different terms to describe God's word, such as law, testimony, precepts, commandments, fear of the Lord, rules of the Lord. It might seem strange to you that I just talked about what we need to know to be in relationship with God, and now we're talking about words like law and commandments and rule. It might seem strange that David's using those words here. And yet in verse 10, David says there more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and drippings of the honeycomb. I don't often find rules sweeter than honey or laws sweeter than honeycomb or riches. So how, how do we reconcile this? I want to put some framework around the terminology that David uses here. The scripture David would have had at the point Psalm 19 is written would have very much have actually centered on the law of God, the actual law of God passed down from Moses to Israel. And this law did, in fact, show them how to live in right relationship with God within the terms of this covenant he established with them and then showed them how to atone with sacrifices when they were outside of this covenant with him. But it's also important to recognize that there is a history that would have been passed down with this law, a heritage, the story of God's heart for His people that came with this law and informed this law. You can go back and actually read about it in the first five books of your Bible. And in these five, first five books of our Bible, it recounts how God created the world And out of a world determined to pursue sin and life apart from God, God chose a people to be His own, to enter into covenant with Him, a special relationship with Him. And even though they continued to sin and failed to uphold their parts of the covenant, God continued to uphold His covenant with them. You can read about how God's people became enslaved and God rescued them out of slavery miraculously, brought them into their own land, gave them laws and guidance to be able to function as a nation with him as their head in right relationship with him. I love that David uses the word testimony of the Lord in verse 7, verse um, to talk about this because this testimony of God tells of God reaching out in love to his people, creating a way out of sin, rescuing and preserving his people time and time again, and showing them how to be in right relationship with him. This more than a list of individual rules, this is the heritage, the history the story of God that is evoked for David as he writes about, as we see, the rules, the precepts, the commandments, the law of the Lord. This is the word of God preserved and passed down throughout history, and it is, as David says, perfect and sure and right and pure and clean and true. It's righteous altogether. It revives our souls. It makes us wise. It rejoices our heart. It enlightens us our eyes, it endures forever. God makes himself known in creation. He makes himself known in his word. He doesn't just tell us about himself and then leave us to our own devices. He gives us the testimony of himself, of his heart for us. Our God makes himself known to us in his word, and this is good news. And it's good news that keeps getting better, because the story of God's heart for his people just continues to be written long after David writes Psalm 19, this covenant established with God's people that we've been talking about, that David's praising here in our passage. This covenant <clears throat> This law of the Lord is filled, fulfilled completely in Jesus. Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 5 that he came to fulfill the law. And Jesus is called the Word of God. John 1.14, speaking about Jesus, says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I love how author Dane Ortland talks about Jesus as the Word of God. He calls it, him, the embodiment of all that God wanted to say to us. The embodiment of all that God wanted to say to us. And what God wanted to say to us is that he knows we're never going to be able to stay in right relationship with him. We're going to keep sinning. We'll never be able to uphold our end of this covenant, right? So he says, I'm just going to come to you. I myself, I'm just going to come to you in the flesh and deal with sin once and for all. And this is glorious. John one fourteen goes on to say, The Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. We spent a bit of time talking about glory in verse 1. And John makes... Uh, A great connection for us here. We talked about glory in terms of infinite splendor and power and greatness reflected in the beauty of creation. And John makes this connection of a different facet of God's glory seen in the Word of God, Jesus. Because when we behold God's glory in the person of Jesus, the Word of God, it is God's infinite splendor becoming gentle and humble and lowly coming near, pressing in, God with us. The glory of God walked among us, communed with sinners and sufferers, extended compassion, showed us his heart rich in mercy. The glory of God became a servant to us. Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The glory of God suffered among us and died for our sins in our place that we might have eternal life through him. The glory of God came close and offers forgiveness to all who believe in him. He is the embodiment of all that God wanted to say to us, and he is perfect. David says here, sure, right, pure, clean, true. He revives our soul. He makes us wise. He rejoices our hearts. He enlightens our eyes. He endures forever, and he is righteous all together. God makes himself known to us In creation, he makes himself known to us in his word, and he makes himself known to us in the word of God. Jesus, come to us. And this is good news for us. That brings us to our our final voice in this passage, the voice of response. How do we respond to all this good news? How does David respond here? His response is ultimately one of humility, of pressing into the truth of God's character. Humility tends to happen when we meditate on God and His glory. We become aware of how not God and how not glorious we are. It casts light on our sin, right? In verse 12, David almost seems a little despairing here by the awareness of this, right? He says, who can discern his errors? There's no end to the sin, it seems. He talks about how there are hidden faults or sins we don't even maybe realize we are committing or are so blind to because we're so accustomed to sin. And then he talks about presumptuous sins. That's, I guess, the idea of, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what God says, and I'm just going to do it anyway. Hidden sins, presumptuous sins. What David is doing here is bringing in the practice of confession, bringing our sins both blatant and unknown to God. He doesn't hide from them, but he's also not consumed with self-deprecation or trying to, to earn back favor from God in this because he remembers what God has made known about himself. And he knows that God stands ready to forgive and that he has the power to forgive. He has confidence in this in verses 12 through 13. He says, Declare me innocent. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Don't let them have dominion over me. I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. I love that he brings back this word declare in verse 12. We saw that again in verse 1. The same God who declares His power and goodness in creation is the same God that declares His power and goodness in His Word and is the same God that then gets personal and declares our sins forgiven. This is a great model of confession for us to follow as we hear what God speaks. We acknowledge that our sins are many, and they're great, and that God has all power and goodness to forgive. And then press into that graciousness that He offers us. As we look at David's response here, it's fitting for us to then ask, what is our response? God speaks. He makes himself known. He longs for you to know him and has gone through great lengths to show us through creation, through his word, and ultimately through the word, Jesus, who came to us. God speaks. What is your response? Maybe it's accepting the forgiveness that God stands ready to extend to you by putting your faith in Jesus, the Word of God. Maybe it's acknowledging, confessing, repenting of sins, and pressing into that same gracious forgiveness. Maybe it's simply stillness, listening, noticing God's ministry of creation, abiding in His presence. Or maybe this whole idea of God speaking to you seems daunting, and you don't know where to start. I'm here to tell you there are so many people here who would love to walk alongside you as you study the Word, as you would learn about Scripture, as you pray to God. They, They want to come alongside you. There are going to be people also in the back that are more than willing to pray with you as we go through our communion time here as well. As we close, I want to end with this beautiful prayer of David in verse 14. Standing in the reality of God's forgiveness, David's prayer is that his words, his voice, his heart, his thoughts would be in line with what God has spoken. So I want to pray that over us this morning. Lord, let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our rock, and you are our redeemer. We thank you, Lord. We praise you that you speak in your name. Amen.